Are you ready for the word today? Does everybody have your sermon notes? All right, so the sermon notes are up here. So um, uh, Pastor Engel encouraged you to get the notes as you were bringing your offerings. And so thank you for doing that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what you need to write. So there is no question about that. So you can just look up here and pay attention. And when it's time to write in your notes, I'll let you know what you need to write. Now, we started this sermon series last week. And so I cannot review everything. And I apologize for that. So what I'm suggesting that you do is that you go back to Facebook and you find our church and you listen to the sermon and that will catch you up. But for the sake of time and for the sake of information, it is impossible for me to review everything that I preached and taught last week. So please go back and and review the sermon and listen to it. And so that will catch you up. So I'm going to actually, I'll review for a few moments and then I'll get right into the points that I left off from last week. And so obviously the sermon series will go on for more than three weeks because we're actually already behind. Uh, I was supposed to finish last week and I did not, but I don't feel bad about it because I feel like it's important for me to take my time, not feel like I'm rushed, and I don't want you to feel like I'm being rushed either, okay? And so let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask the Lord's blessing upon us. Heavenly Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and we thank you that you are the present help in the time of trouble. We thank you for those who are gathered here today. We pray that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear your word And that your word would go forth in power. And that your word would go forth in boldness. And I pray that everything that's said and everything that's done would bring you the glory. And everyone shouted a great big amen. So we started a sermon series last week called Living in Babylon. Living in Babylon. And last week I encouraged us to look at the book of Daniel. Because within the book of Daniel, there is a man by the name of Daniel. Daniel and his three friends, according to the scriptures, the Bible says they were taken into captivity to a foreign land, to a foreign nation. And that nation was called Babylon. Babylon. It was a city, but it was also known as a nation. And they were taken into captivity there And they had to learn how to live and function in Babylon. Now, one of the things I want you to see about Babylon is this. They were taken as a prisoner of war to Babylon. Why? Because God said, if you don't repent of your sin, if you don't forsake your foreign gods, if you don't go back to the Bible, go back to the law, go back to the scriptures, then I am going to cause Babylon to come and judge you. And that's exactly what happened. Because God's people did not repent, because God's people did not heed to God's voice and God's word, God sent Babylon in to their homeland, which was Judah, Israel, and it was destroyed. And Babylon, who is the enemy, took Daniel and some of his friends and brought them to Babylon as prisoners of war, as captives. They're prisoners of war, and they had to live in Babylon all of their life. They had to learn how to thrive there, and they, learned how to, they, learned, they had to learn how to survive in Babylon. And one of the things I want you to see about Babylon is this, is that Babylon was a wicked, wicked city. It was a very uh, a pagan city, a godless city. It was a city that worshipped many gods. It was very wicked and very evil, but yet the city was very spectacular. It had hanging gardens. I mean, it had spectacular buildings, spectacular art and architect. It was a modern-day New York City. It, it was an outstanding, outstanding place to live, but yet it was very pagan, very godless, and very wicked. And Daniel, who is a believer in God, 
Daniel, who believed in the one true God of Israel. Daniel, who was a firm believer in the Hebrew scriptures. Daniel and his three friends, known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had to live in Babylon, and they had to learn how to survive and thrive in a Babylonian uh, culture. And my friends, my point was this last week, is that you and I are like Daniel, and you and I have to learn how to survive and thrive in a Babylonian culture. Each of us is going to have to learn how to live in this Babylonian culture. It's not easy, but God is not going to call us out. He is destined for each of us to walk through Babylon so that you and I could survive and thrive and you and I could be witnesses of the gospel and share the gospel with the culture that you and I live in. I want to be salt and light to the culture around us. Can I hear an amen? And so you and I are like Daniel. We have to learn how to survive and thrive in this culture. And one of the things that you see about the history of Judah, one of the reasons that God judged them and sent Babylon to them was because they cut out the scriptures in their life. King Jehoiakim, which was the king of Judah, cut up the scroll of the prophet Jeremiah. And because he cut up the scroll of the prophet Jeremiah, he did not give heed to the word of God. God sent Babylon in and destroyed their homeland because not only of their sin, but because King Jerichoam did not give heed to the voice of God by cutting the scriptures up. And my friends, I believe that we got ourselves in a mess today because we have cut the scriptures out of our lives. We've cut the scripture out of our homes. We've cut the scriptures out of our churches. We've cut the scripture out of our schools. We have cut the scriptures out. And because we've cut the scriptures out, Babylon is increasing in the land. Can I hear an amen? I don't know about you, but we need to put the scriptures back in our homes again. We need to put the scriptures back in our churches again. We need to put the scriptures back in our families again because we've got ourselves in a mess because we've cut up the scriptures. I don't want to embarrass anyone, but it's very encouraging to me as a pastor. When I come to church, people are telling me, hey, pastor, I just finished the New Testament. Hey, pastor, I'm almost done with the Bible. Uh, And somebody else came to me uh, and said to me just at connection time, pastor, I'm almost through. I haven't completed it yet, but I'm reading through the Bible. I have lots of questions, but, but, but I'm reading through the Bible. Do you know how that makes my heart feel? We got Bible readers in this church. I said, we got Bible readers in this church. Hallelujah. Sister Peggy, raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you. In the back in the balcony, everybody say hi to Sister Peggy. Amen. She said, I'm reading through the Bible. She's almost done, but she's not. But thank God we got Bible readers in this church. Amen. We don't got tradition keepers. We got Bible keepers. And I encourage you to get the Bible in you. I encourage you to let the Bible be a part of your life. I don't know about you, but when the Bible becomes important in your life, you don't know what might happen in your life. I mean, tell you, I, I'm just going to stop and preach for a few moments. God is doing something here at Christ Point. Sister Marlene, stand up and run down to the front here. Sister Marlene was standing in church a few Sundays ago, and as we were singing, she could not lift up her arm because there was torn ligaments in her arm, and she couldn't lift it up, I think, about right here because she was in such severe pain. Now, she came forward a few Sundays ago and said as she was worshiping the Lord, She told the Lord that she wanted to worship God and God healed her. She felt the healing power of God go through her body and Marlene is still healed. She's still healed this morning. Can somebody just go ahead and praise God? Come on, somebody just go ahead and praise God for the healing power of Jesus Christ. How many believes that Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever? Where is Deborah? Deborah, stand up. Now, I wouldn't have done this, but Deborah was so excited. I, I wouldn't have shared this with you, but Deborah is so excited that I'm going to share with you. Uh, how many weeks ago, Deborah? 
12 days she was in church. She said, Lord, I just want to give up nicotine. I I just want to serve you. I want to be holy. She says at that moment, 12 days ago in church, she felt the power of God on her life. And she says she's never had a desire since 12 days ago. Now, I know that this may mean nothing to you. It may mean nothing to you, and obviously you can sit there and criticize whether it's valid or not, but you are not Marlene, and you're not Deborah, and they're here today to testify that Jesus is working in their life, and I'm glad that we serve a God that still moves. Amen. Come on, somebody praise God. So we live in Babylon And you and I have to learn how to survive and thrive in Babylon. And I I told you there's some characteristics of Babylon. The first one was confusion. Number one, confusion. The reason it was confusion is because Daniel chapter 1 verse 2 states that the people of God was taken to Shinar. Shinar. The word Shinar appears in the book of Genesis chapter 11 verses number 1 and 2. Shinar was the land of Shinar was actually known as Babel or Babel, however you want to pronounce it. And that Babel, the town, the, the Babel, it was known as Babel, which means confusion. It was later known as Babylon. So the very first thing I want you to see in the characteristics of Babylon is that there is confusion everywhere. There is confusion. Babel means confusion which it was later named Babylon, it means the same thing. It was Shinar, it became known as Babel, confusion, and it was known as Babylon. And I believe that you and I could uh, agree with me this morning that we live in absolute confusion. We live in absolute confusion. There is political confusion. There's moral confusion. There's educational confusion. There's religious confusion. There is sexual confusion. There's confusion over what a man is, what a woman is. Our biological sex is not what we have to identify with. We can identify with whatever we want to identify with because there is so much confusion in the world today. And so the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, that God is not the author of confusion, but he is the author of peace. And isn't amazing in the first two chapters of Genesis, God created things. Then after those two chapters, God created order out of chaos. Look at it. The only chapters in the Bible that God created something is Genesis 1 and 2. After that, the whole Bible is filled with God taking chaos and making order out of it. And now, in this Babylon culture, the enemy is trying to make chaos out of the order that God has already established. The enemy wants to make chaos out of the order that God has already established. Number two, the second characteristic on your paper, the second characteristic of Babylon is what I call pride, pride, pride. Look at Genesis chapter number 11 and verse number four. Genesis chapter 11 and verse number four. Genesis 11 verse four. Now this is the story of the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel. And they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city, a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Remember, this is the birthplace of Babylon. Babel means confusion. This is the birthplace of the Tower of Babel. And the Bible says that as they were building it, They said, let us come together and let us make a name for ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. The second characteristic of the spirit of Babylon in this culture is pride. Everybody say pride. Pride is the exaltation of self. Pride is the worship of self. You can be what you want to be, do what you want to do, because your ambitions is the highest aim in life. Your truth is what matters. Moral boundaries are very minimum because your truth is what really matters. One of the greatest tragedies in human history 
took place on April 14th, 19 and 12. It was a ship called the Titanic. And the Titanic sunk to the bottom of the sea floor. The Titanic was called the unsinkable ship. There are those on the ship that was recorded that said, not even God himself could sink the Titanic. The Titanic, history tells us, hit an iceberg. Not a very big iceberg, but hit an iceberg, and the ship sank to the bottom of the sea floor, and 1,500 people lost their life on April 14, 1912. The point is, when you begin to exalt yourself above God, you will eventually sink. They said that the Titanic was the unsinkable ship. They said that not even God himself could sink the ship. But yet this, the, the ship began to sink when it hit an iceberg. My friends, when you begin to exalt yourself before God, you will eventually sink. Did you hear what this preacher said today? When you exalt yourself above God, you will eventually sink. It was pride that caused Satan to lead a celestial rebellion against God. It was pride that caused Eve to disobey God's command not to eat the fruit. It was pride that caused Pharaoh to harden his heart and not let God's people go. It was pride that caused King Nebuchadnezzar to make an image of himself. It was pride that caused King David to commit adultery and murder and hide his own sin. It was pride that caused King Herod not to give glory to God. It was pride that caused Judas to betray our Lord with 30 pieces of silver. And it was pride that caused Saul to persecute God's people, thinking that he was doing God a favor. You see, my friends, pride is the mother of all sins. And it will be pride that will sink your life. And it will be pride that will cause you to sink to the bottom of the floor, so to speak. It's pride. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 23, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will lift him up. My friends, pride is the mother of all sins. I want to let you know something because I think it's important. There is only one great I am and you are not it. There is only one Lord and you are not it. There is only one King and you're not it. There is only one Savior and you're not it. And one day the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. There is only one great I am and you're not it. Boasting is the pride of success. You ever notice that? Boasting is the pride of success, while self-pity is the response to the pride of suffering. Boasting says, I deserve this because I have achieved so much. Self-pity says, I deserve this because I have suffered so much. And that is what's going in our nation. In our nation, we have groups of people in our nation who thinks they deserve this or that because they have suffered so much. You see, in essence, that is pride. Pride exalts your suffering. Pride is the one that says, I deserve this because I have suffered so much. I deserve my own pronouns. I deserve my own flag. I deserve my own day. I deserve for you to recognize who I am because I have suffered so much. My friends, it is self-pity, and that is also pride. It is the opposite of boasting, and we live in a nation that exalts itself in pride. What is the characteristics of the Babylon spirit? It is not only confusion, it is pride. And number three on your paper, it is rebellion. It is rebellion. It is rebellion. Look at Genesis chapter 11 and verse number four. Genesis chapter 11 and verse number four. We go back to the story of Babel. We go back to this story. And the Bible says that as they were building this tower, they said, let us make a name for ourselves." Do you see how prideful that is? 
Let's make a name for ourselves. Let us exalt ourselves and make a name. You hear pride in that, don't you? Let's make a name for ourselves. But then the Bible says, they said, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's build this, least that we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, that's rebellion. They said, let's come together and build this tower, least we be scattered abroad. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 that God called the human race to multiply. God called the human race to be fruitful and to multiply. That was God's command. God's command was never to stay in one area and make a name for yourself. But that's exactly what these people did. These people disobeyed and rebelled against God's command and they stayed in one area. They said, we're going to stay right here. We're not going to be scattered abroad. We're going to stay right here. And that's exactly what happened. Right there, they came together and they rebelled against God's command to be faithful and fruitful and multiply. They rebelled against anything that stopped them from becoming what they wanted to become. Listen, they couldn't have built a great city if they were all scattered. If they were all scattered, they couldn't build this great tower to heaven. They had to come together so that the tower could be built. But God's command was to be scattered abroad. God's command was to be fruitful and to multiply and go out from there. But they stayed together because they rebelled against God's command. They wanted to build a tower which reached into the heavens. Least we be scattered abroad. My friends, we live in a Babylon culture full of rebellion. Rebellion against teachers. Rebellion against authority. Rebellion against church authority. Rebellion against any type of authority. We have erected ourselves as King Nebuchadnezzar, and we have erected images of ourselves, and we have worshipped them as though they are gods. Some of you would never worship a golden image. Some of you would never worship an image made of wood, hay, and stubble. But we do bow down to our opinions. We do worship our thoughts. We worship our perspectives. We worship our opinions. And sometimes our very thoughts, our opinions, is rebellion against God. That is why it's important that we know the scriptures. That is why we be men and women of the book, as John Wesley said. That we be men and women of one book, the Bible, so that the word of God can become your voice that you speak to yourself. They rebelled against God. You see the characteristics of Babylon? Number one, it is confusion. Because Babel means confusion. Number two, it, it is not only confusion, but it is the by a pride. Come together, let us build for ourselves a city. Let's, let's build for ourselves a name. Let, let, let's exalt ourselves and make a name for ourselves. And then number three, the characteristic is pride. Pride, because not only did they want to make a name for themselves, they didn't want to be scattered abroad. They wanted to stay together and make a tower under the heavens. These are the characteristics of the Babylon spirit. Now, I want us to look at not only the characteristics of the Babylon spirit, but let us look at the agenda of the spirit. There is an agenda that this spirit has in our culture. And we have to be very, very sensitive to what the Spirit is speaking, but we also have to be wise. And we got to understand what this Babylon spirit desires to do. The city of Babylon has been destroyed long ago, but that spirit still lives in the world today, and it does have an agenda. It has a strategy, it has a system, and it has a structure. You look at the book of uh, Ephesians. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world. You'll notice that the enemy has a kingdom. It's very organized. Principalities, powers, rulers, darkness, rulers of this world. In other words, the enemy is very strategic. The enemy has a plan, and he has an agenda. 
And I want to let us look at this agenda for a moment. Number one, I want you to see this agenda in Scripture. Number one, on your paper, the very first thing that this spirit desires to do, it desires to dominate you. Dominate you. Would you say that with me very quickly? Dominate me. Dominate me. It desires to dominate you. Now, I want you to look at Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 1. Now, we read this scripture last week, but I think it's important. The Bible says that Babylon came in and besieged the city of Jerusalem. It besieged it. That word besieged means it, over, it, over, it, it took over the city. It took it over. It came in with force and took it over. And isn't that what the spirit of Babylon wants to do? It has a takeover spirit. It, 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 it wants to dominate. It wants to control. Just like Babylon besieged Judah thousands of years ago and took over the city, this same spirit desires to take over in our culture today. The spirit of Babylon wants to take over every spear. It wants to take over our educational it, uh, arena. It wants to take over religion. It wants to take over politics. It wants to take over sexuality and philosophy. The spirit wants your home. The spirit wants your marriage. It wants your children. It wants the church. It wants your husband. It wants your wife. And it is not happy until it dominates every area of your life. Isn't that what we see? It's dominating the media. It wants to, it's dominating every sphere of our educational system because it's not happy until it becomes the norm. It's dominating. Churches feel the pressure. Pastors feel the pressure to get up and say things to tickle your ears because we're afraid that we won't have a church next week because you won't like the truth. It wants to dominate us. But I come to let you know I refuse to be dominated by the spirit of Babylon. I said I refuse to be dominated by this spirit. And people will sit in church pews, fold their arms, mad at the preacher because they are, he is saying something contrary to their own thoughts, contrary to their own gods. Contrary to the gods that we have erected. The spirit of Babylon is saying, fall down and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. Worship it. Pay homage to it. Agree with it. Somebody in the crowd has to stand up and say, I will not placate to the voices of humanism, nor will I compromise my faith just because everybody else is bowing down to the gods of Babylon. It seeks to dominate us. It seeks to control us. Number two on your paper. It seeks to brainwash you. It seeks to brainwash you. Can you please fix my mic up here? It's echoing. I can't hear myself. Thank you so much. It seeks to brainwash you. Thank you. It seeks to brainwash you. Daniel chapter 1 verse 4. And look at the scripture here. Verse number 4. Young men... In whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they're able to teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. Now, stop here. The enemy got Daniel and his three friends, brought them to Babylon, the pagan society, and what did King Nebuchadnezzar want to do? The Bible says in verse 4 that King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to teach them the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. The king said, bring these boys here, and I want to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. In other words... I want to de-Israelite them, and I want to pro-Babylon them. I, I, I want to remove them 
get this church, I want to remove them from their spiritual heritage. I know they're Jews. They worship the one God, but bring them over here. Let's put them in Babylon. Let's brainwash them. Let's teach them a different language. Let's teach them a different literature. Let's brainwash them so that they will become more Babylonian than they are Israelite. And that's exactly what's happening in our nation today. The media, the schools, the universities, the governments, the government, what are they doing? They are brainwashing our children and making them more Babylonian than they are Christian. We want to remove everything that's Christian out of the media, out of the churches. God, what in the world has gone on. We got churches that's rejecting the Apostles' Creed, rejecting the Nicene Creed, rejecting the Trinity, rejecting the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, rejecting that Jesus will return again, rejecting the deity of Jesus. The Babylon spirit is not happy until it infiltrates every area of our society, including the church. It wants you to deny your faith. You know what it wants you to do? It wants you to bow down to the image that King Nebuchadnezzar has erected. And that's why parents, listen to me. If you don't tell your children what sex they are, Babylon's going to tell them what sex they are. If you don't tell them who Jesus is, Babylon's going to tell them who Jesus is. If you don't tell them the written Bible is the inspired word of God, Babylon's going to tell them something different. Somewhere, some way, we got to stand up and say, I am not going to bow to the gods of this culture. Now, you say, preacher, but my children are in a, my, some of my kids is in the university. That's fine. That's fine, because Daniel was schooled in Babylon. Now, hold on, listen. There's a difference between learning and believing. So they may go to school and learn, but that doesn't mean they believe what Babylon is teaching them. Do you hear what I'm saying? So even though Daniel was schooled in Babylon, he didn't believe the agenda of Babylon. What does Babylon want to do? Babylon wants to, number one, Babylon wants to dominate you. It wants to take over. Babylon wants to brainwash you. Number three, Babylon wants to alter you. A-L-T-E-R. Alter you. What do I mean by that? Look at it. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, verse number 3. The Bible says that the chief, look at Daniel 1, verse 3, just glance at it. That the chief of the eunuchs is the one, the master or the chief of the eunuchs is the one that brought the children of Israel in. The chief of the eunuchs? Yes, because most people believe, most theologians believe that Daniel was a eunuch. Because here is the master of the eunuchs that's bringing Daniel in. Now, if this is true, that means that Daniel's sex was altered. He was demasculized. He was castrated in Babylon. Now, let me say this and say it loud and clear. There is nothing wrong with somebody being single. There's nothing wrong with anybody living a single life. And there's nothing wrong with someone being a eunuch, Jesus refers to this in the Gospels. But what makes this different in Daniel is that he was forced to be a eunuch. It wasn't his own choice. He was forced to be altered. His sex was altered and he was demasculized. He altered his body. His body was altered to fit the agenda of the Babylonians. His body was altered to fit the agenda of of the Babylonians. He had no choice in the matter. If you're going to serve in the court of the king, if you want to live in Babylon and you're going to work in my government, then we're going to alter your body. And he had no choice in the matter. He was a eunuch. And my friends, isn't that what the agenda of Babylon seeks to do? It seeks to alter our physical bodies. 
It seeks to tell our children that it's okay for you to change your sex at six years old, for your body to be mutilated. You have to be 18 to vote, but yet we're saying it's okay for children to mutilate their bodies without their parents' permission. My friends, that's what the Babylon spirit wants to do. It wants to, it wants to alter our bodies, but not only that, it wants to demasculate men. If somebody is a strong man, you're criticized nowadays. You're called a racist if you're a strong man. We want to feminize men. My friends, there's nothing wrong with strong men. We need more strong men, especially in the church. God created men to be leaders, the priests of their home. And this culture wants to alter the family. It wants to alter our bodies. And sometimes I believe that we have enjoyed Babylon so much and the things of Babylon that what used to offend us don't really offend us anymore. What used to make us blush don't make us blush anymore because we're so used to it. Babylon has altered our thinking. It has become normal. It has become normal. Not only does Babylon want to dominate you, not only does it want to brainwash you, not only does it want to alter you, but number four, it wants to rename you. It wants to rename you. Number four, it wants to rename you. Rename you. Look at what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1, verse number 6. King Nebuchadnezzar took Daniel and took his three friends. And guess what the Bible says? The Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar began to rename these individuals. Renamed them. You see, Daniel's name was later changed to Belshazzar. It was a Babylonian name. But Daniel had a Jewish name, and his name means God is my judge. But King Nebuchadnezzar, according to verse number 6 and 7, verse number 7, to them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. There's the chief of the eunuchs. He's coming in. He's on the permission of King Nebuchadnezzar. He comes in and gives Daniel the name of Belshazzar. Hananiah, Shadrach. You see, he begins to change their names. He, he changed their names from a Jewish name to a Babylonian name. Why did he do that? Because he's trying to brainwash them. He's trying to rename them. Belshazzar means Bel protects my life. Daniel means God is my judge. So he's trying to rename them. Shadrach means the command of Bel. The command of Bel, which means he's the one that I follow. I follow his command. Meshach is who is Aku. Abednego is the servant of Nebu, which was a false god in Babylon. So their names were given to them so that they could follow the culture of Babylon and worship their gods. He wanted to de-Israelite them and pro-Babylon them. He renamed them. And isn't that what our society is trying to do? Our society is trying to kill old ideas, kill old ideas and change the wording. It's no longer the truth. It used to be the absolute truth, now it's called my truth. Gay used to represent something else, but now it's queer. Pride is the sin by which Satan fell from heaven, but now pride is a political movement in America. Love used to be serving one another without an agenda, but now love is you must agree with me or you hate me. Mothers are no longer mothers, they're birthing persons. What are you saying, pastor? I am saying that Babylon has come in and they're trying to kill the old ideas, kill the old names, and change their wording so that the wording reflects their agenda. Words are now being disconnected from their God-given identity and now they're connected to how we feel. Turning people from objective truth 
the God of truth and turning them to subjective truth to self, the author of truth. We worship our identity, don't we? But you know, it's interesting that the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, Daniel, your name is Belshazzar. But it's interesting to me that this morning we're reading from the book of Daniel and not the book of Belshazzar. Because whatever God has named you is your name and not what the world has called you. Do you hear me? It's not the book of Belshazzar, it's the book of Daniel, because Daniel realizes you can go ahead and call me what you want. You can go ahead and say what you want. You can go ahead and call me whatever, but I know who I am, and I am Daniel, and God is my judge, and I will not be judged by the gods of this Babylon culture. So Daniel, the book of Daniel, not the book of Belshazzar. I'm convinced that it doesn't matter what they put on you, just don't let it get in you. It's the book of Daniel, not the book of Belshazzar. Hallelujah. Number five, this spirit seeks to tempt you. It seeks to tempt you. Daniel chapter 1 verse number 8, the Bible tells us, I'm almost done, the Bible tells us, that Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, if you could put it up there for me, please. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, I want you to see what happens here. That Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. In other words, get this. They wanted Daniel to eat certain types of food. But Daniel understood that eating together represents partnership of your gods. In the Bible, eating together was more than just filling your stomach. Eating together was a social, religious thing. And so, when you ate together, when you eat the food, according to the scriptures, the book of Leviticus tells us that you shouldn't eat the foods offered to false gods. Daniel understood this as a Jewish believer that if I eat certain foods that is offered by the Babylonians, I'm in agreement to their gods. So he was tempted to eat food that he knew he shouldn't eat. He was being seduced. Because isn't that the spirit of Babylon? Seduction? She's a, the Bible says she's a harlot. The spirit of Babylon is a harlot. It's represented as a female in the New Testament, but also the church of Jesus Christ is represented as a female. There's two forces in the world today. It is the church that's empowered by the Spirit of God and the world which is empowered by the Spirit of Babylon. And here, he was tempted to eat the food that he knew was forbidden. And that's what Babylon wants to do. Babylon wants to tempt you. It wants to seduce you by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's so subtle that it comes into our life without us even noticing sometimes. It looks good. It smells good. But the agenda is that if I could tempt you, I can control you. Because compromise leads to captivity. He could not compromise because it leads to captivity. Number six, the agenda of the spirit of Babylon is it wants to destroy you. It wants to destroy you. Daniel chapter number one and verse number three. Daniel chapter one, verse number three. Daniel became a eunuch. He's a eunuch answering to the chief of the eunuchs. Isn't that what the enemy wants to do? Daniel couldn't got, he didn't have the opportunity to get married. He didn't have an opportunity to have children. That this spirit seeks to destroy families. It, it seeks to destroy your offspring. Daniel was unable to produce because the spirit of Babylon demanded that he become a eunuch. So marriage was out of the question. He had to live as a prisoner of war. He had to live as a slave in Babylon. His hopes and dreams to have a family never came to realization because he had to submit 
as a prisoner of war as a eunuch. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 3 verse 11, the Bible says they were thrown into the fiery furnace, the friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was thrown into the fiery furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible says they would not bow down to their gods. The point that I want you to see is this. King Nebuchadnezzar, the spirit of Babylon, wants to destroy you. And if that means throwing you in the fiery furnace, King Darius throwing you into the lion's den, whatever it means, they want to destroy you. Because you don't agree with their agenda, you don't worship the gods that they've created, and they are seeking to destroy you. And that's why his friends went to the fiery furnace, and that's why King Nebuchadnezzar turned it up seven times hotter, because they would not bow down to their gods. Because this spirit desires to persecute you and destroy you if you don't agree with its agenda. But can I tell you something? He is the fourth man in life's fiery furnace that no matter what Babylon tries to do and no matter how hot they try to turn it up, I'm telling you, he's the fourth man that will show up in life's fiery furnace. He's the one that will show up in the lion's den. Can I tell you something? We live in a culture where everybody wants to be favored. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm blessed and highly favored. I know the plans the Lord has for me. Plans of blah, 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 blah. Sleeping with your boyfriend and quoting scripture on Facebook. I don't know what kind of world we live in, but you understand what I'm saying. Quoting all these scriptures about how blessed we are, and yet we're living in sin. I want to let you know, I'm not going to placate to the voices of humanism, and I'm not going to bow down. It's not going to dominate me. Sin is still sin, and God's gift of grace is still free. So, if you don't agree with it, they'll throw you in the fire. You'll burn. They'll destroy you. Because it seeks to destroy us. How are we to live in this Babylon's culture? Well, Daniel made up his mind. Get this. Daniel made up his mind in chapter 1. I'm not going to eat the food. I'm not going to compromise my faith. Chapter 3 comes along. His friends is thrown in the fiery furnace. King Darius puts him in a lion's den. Listen to me. Chapter 3 will come in your life. Chapter 6, the lion's den will come in your life. You have to make up your mind. Chapter 1, I'm not going to compromise when chapter 3 gets here or chapter 6 gets here. And the problem is is that we're trying to make up our mind when chapter 3 occurs. When chapter 6 comes along, we're trying to make up our mind whether we want to really serve God or not. You need to make up your mind that when chapter 3 gets here, you tell the enemy, I already made up my mind in chapter 1 that I'm not going to serve your gods or worship the image you have created so you can throw me in the fire and the lion's den. I'm a chapter 1 believer. I don't need to be pressured in chapter 3 because I've already made my mind up in chapter 1. I'm not going to worship your gods. And so what happens in the culture is that when chapter 3 comes along and they tell you, you got to change the definition of marriage. you got to believe this or you're a racist. You know what we do? We just back down to it and we bow down to their gods because we want peace. I can't do that because in chapter 1, I've already made up my mind that no matter how hard chapter 3 is or chapter 6, I am not going to bow down to your gods in chapter 3. So number one, you've got to make a decision not to compromise. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Look at it. But you must continue. 
Look at this scripture. You must continue in the things that you've learned and be reassured of, assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, that from a childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Do you hear what Paul said? He says that in this day, people are being deceived and being deceived, but you must continue. You must continue in the things that you have learned from since you were a child, you have learned the Holy Scriptures. So what are you saying, Pastor? In this Babylonian culture, not only do you have to be a chapter one person, but number two, we have to continue in the Holy Scriptures. Paul said that you must continue in the things that you have already learned. You must continue from a childhood the Holy Scriptures. And that's, my friends, is our call. We must continue in the Bible. We must continue to live the Scriptures. We must continue to fight for the Scriptures. We must continue to hold the Scriptures very dear. And not only read it, but live the Scriptures. You see, my friends, Daniel, later in the book, was known to meet with the Magi, which was modern-day astrology. Many people believe that the writings of Daniel was left behind after Daniel died in Babylon, and the Magi that came from the east to the, the birth of Christ Jesus was somehow influenced by the writings of Daniel, if that is true then Daniel's legacy has lived on and brought the Magi to the place where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And that spirit did not give up because that spirit of Babylon still wanted to kill children under the age of two. It lived in King Herod because King Herod would not give glory to God. He erected himself as king and God and would not give glory to God, or come six miles down the road to worship the Christ child. That spirit lived on in King Herod. And what did he want to do? He, he sought to dominate, control, kill anyone that would ever take his position. It lives on today, my friends. You see, you may go to the school in Babylon. You may go to a job in Babylon. Because Babylon is the culture that you and I are living in. But you got to understand that Daniel received favor once he stood up for the truth. You see, Daniel didn't just receive favor just because he was God's chosen. The Bible says, go back to Daniel chapter 1. And I want to close with this thought. I know I preached a little long today, but I wanted to get this done today. So just bear with me as we close out today. I want you to see what happens. The Bible says in Daniel chapter number 1, verse number 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart. You see that? Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Daniel 1, verse 8. The Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Now I want you to look at verse number 9. Verse number 9 says, but now God brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Do you see what happens here? Verse number 7, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Verse number eight, God gave him favor. Favor comes as a result of you standing for the truth. Favor comes as a result of you not compromising. And as a result of that, the Bible says in Daniel chapter one, verse 20, that God, excuse me, King Nebuchadnezzar, found that these men, when they were examined, were ten times better than everyone else in his kingdom. You see, it's possible that you can live a righteous life, a holy life, a dedicated life in Babylon. And it's possible that you can have the favor of God on your life in Babylon. It's possible that you can be salt and light in Babylon. And it's possible that you can be ten times better in Babylon. It's possible you can be 10 times better in Babylon. You see, Daniel went to their schools. Daniel 
worked in the government. Daniel was trained in the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. But Daniel made up his mind that I'm not going to give up my faith and I'm not selling out. My friends, we too are living in a foreign land. We are living in a spiritual Babylon and that is our reality. We may attend the schools in Babylon. We may work in Babylon. And we may even live in a pagan environment. But all of us have to make a decision that we will not compromise our faith in this Babylon culture. you got to tell your kids who they are. Because if not, Babylon will tell them. We have to be very clear that we will not satisfy this culture. And we will not gratify the demands of society, nor will we bow down to the gods of Babylon. We will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, and we will not hesitate in the presence of adversity. We will not negotiate at the table of the enemy, nor will we ponder at the pool of popularity, nor will we meander in the maze of mediocrity. We will not give up. We will not shut up. We will not back down. We cannot be bought. We cannot be compromised. We cannot be detoured, lured away turned back or delayed, we will serve him until he calls us home. Hallelujah. I cannot be bought. The enemy doesn't care how long it takes to get to you. Just as long as you continue to move slowly in his direction through quiet compromise. doesn't care how long it takes. Just a little bit of this. A little bit of that. To eventually nothing in this culture offends you. Nothing makes you blush. It's all normal. Revelation 17, John said, behold, the great Babylon, the mystery of Babylon has fallen. Now, hold on. Everybody look at me. That's Revelation 17. Revelation 19, Jesus comes back. Revelation 17, the mystery of Babylon, that great harlot has fallen. 17, chapter 19, Jesus appears again. Where are we? We're in chapter 17, and the great Babylon, which is the spirit, will not prevail It looks like it's prevailing, but it will not prevail in the end. It will not overcome. Oh, hallelujah. I said it will not overcome. It looks like it's going to dominate us. It looks like it's going to control us. It looks as though it's going to destroy us. But let me tell you, in the end, we win. In the end, we win. We are a victorious church. In the end, we will win. There might just be three of us in the fiery furnace, but in the end, we will win. Chapter 17, the great spirit has fallen. Chapter 19, Jesus returns. What is the spirit of the Antichrist? It's the spirit of Babylon in the world today. Amen. Somebody stand to your feet and give the Lord a shout of praise. Oh, hallelujah. Stand to your feet and give him a shout of praise. Hold on. If you know anything, remain standing. If you know anything about history, in Germany, churches would sing loud. Before air conditioning, they had their windows open. And they would sing louder and louder when they would hear the boxcars drive by their churches. What was the boxcars? It was filled with Jewish men, women, boys, and girls taken to the gas chambers. 
the Church of Jesus in Germany would just sing louder so they didn't have to hear the boxcars full of people weeping and crying as they're going to their death. Let it not be said of the church of Jesus that we just sing our songs louder and we preach louder so that we don't have to hear the moans and the groans of the Babylon culture. We live in a real world with real suffering, real needs. We can't just go on and acting like it doesn't exist any longer. There are people with real needs that's hurting And why am I preaching this sermon series? Is it to condemn people? No. It's to provide answers to the questions of our soul. It's to provide medicine to the heart that's hurting. Because people are hurting. People need answers. We must return to the scriptures. And let the scriptures bring health and healing back to us. Let us not sing louder. And preach louder. Ignore the cries of our culture. J.C. Rowell, which was a New Testament scholar, said it like this, and I quote, Let me warn everyone who wants to be saved not to be content with the world's standard of Christianity. Surely, no man with his eyes open can fail to see that the Christianity in the New Testament is something higher and deeper than the Christianity of the most professing Christians. That formal, easy, going, do little, which most people call religion, is evidently not the religion of the Lord Jesus. The things which he praises is not to be praised by the world. And the things which he blames are not the things in which the world sees no harm. Oh, if you would follow Christ, do not be content with the world's standard of Christianity, tremble, tremble, and repent. Let us not be content. Let's raise our voices high and proclaim to a world that Jesus is still the answer to the sin-sick souls of humanity. Amen.